Just absolute lurker. <laughs> pod Trolling. lurker. Yeah. You're the pod troll. A pod troll. Done. I'm not calling you that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Everybody, welcome back to the Human Element Cares podcast on injecting a little bit of humanity into modern marketing. I am so excited to be joined today by Haley Poss. How'd I do? Did you I hold? Did great. All right, yeah. good. It's always about the names. My, um, you did better than my own family in pronouncing my last name. Oh, good. I yeah. feel like oh, now maybe I'm in the family a little mm-hmm, bit. You are. Okay, good. Our very own SVP head of strategy and insights here, Kara. Haley, welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. We're also joined by Chelsea Contre. Hi, everyone. A little bit of sleep deprivation today, huh? Yeah, yeah. The baby was uh, screaming all night long. So So Pepper is how old? Six months, almost seven. Six yeah. months. Yeah, that's when you start thinking you kind of got it semi-knocked. Oh, yeah. And then you don't. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's a trick baby. She was so good baby. thinking like everything was going to be great, sleeping through the night. And then last night, boom, didn't sleep at all. And you think teeth. Maybe. You never know. That is true. You really don't know. Yeah. I mean, it could be, could be the polar vortex. It could be. It could be any of these things. She could just want to hang out and talk all night to me, but yeah, no sleep regardless. Uh, no sleep in Brooklyn. Yeah, no sleep in Brooklyn. But um, bump. All right. So uh, you and your team have been doing a little bit of work on kind of 2019 media landscape, and that's what I really want to focus in today. So let's let's sort of dive into what what have you guys been doing? Do you have a frame for it or sort of a some guideposts or what's the structure of how you've been looking at that landscape? Yeah. So it's a little-known fact that we've been doing this annual media landscape report for about 10 years now. Um, it's something that the team really enjoys doing. Uh, two years ago, when our strategy and insights teams came together, we actually started coming together on this deliverable as well. Um, which has given it an, a new life, I'd say. And we're not just really reporting trends this year specifically, but really focusing on the why behind the trend, mm. which is the unique lens that we're putting it uh, on for 2019. Do you have um, what I would call an organizing framework or an organizing POV, or you know, is there some you know set of pillars, or how, how are you kind of mm. organizing the work you've done? Yeah, so. Overall, we're using the framework of human motivations that we're seeing really drive the trends of 2019. So as I mentioned, instead of focusing on what's happening, we're focusing on why it's happening, and then how are trends manifesting off of that human motivation. So what are those motivations? Yeah, so there's actually four big ones that we've identified They are connection, control, discovery, and entertainment. And I am the most interested in the one around control. I think you see a lot of that come up in themes like privacy and transparency. But there's also an interesting manifestation that we're seeing uh, around control called media for mood and people wanting to use media to help better control the mood that they're in. And one trend that we're starting to see around this space is called ASMR. Mm. Do you know about ASMR, Robert? <laughs> I, I I do. Uh, my daughter <laughs> showed me some, you know, woman whispering into a microphone on YouTube, and yep. she's like, 
I get sleepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a high-level approach of ASMR, but it's been fascinating. What, I'm terrified of what, what is the low-level approach. What brands have been doing, well, there's, a, there's some weird things happening within the space, <laughs> but also some very brand-safe things okay. that, that you can do within the space. Um, one example that I absolutely love is the, a series that W Magazine's been doing on YouTube called uh, Celebrity ASMR. And Cardi B has been featured on this, and it's her talking about her relationship with ASMR, uh, her tapping her lovely long nails onto the microphone, her talking about her music, um, hmm. really in that kind of low whispering, like, Interesting. calming way. And guess how many views this video has? I, it's something preposterous, I'm sure. Like sixteen million views. Jesus. And this is a this is a you know magazine. She's really talking about promoting her album as well. Right. But it's done in such an interesting, creative way. And when I shared this specific trend with the the Disney Resorts team, uh, we started brainstorming. And one cool idea, we we're like, what if we did? Because like you mentioned with your daughter, a lot of people listen to it to help go to sleep. But yep. what if we actually had the cast of Disney characters doing um, ASMR videos to help kids fall asleep? Mm. So there's just really interesting ways that brands can take these trends. Um, put their own unique twist on them, yep. and hopefully get 16 million views on YouTube. See, that your example sounds cute. Um, <laughs> the Cardi B example, I'm trying to figure out what about that would make me feel calm. Uh, I don't necessarily associate calmness with Cardi B, driven yeah. largely by the fact that she basically tried to beat the heck out of somebody a couple months ago. In, in like, Wasn't it the Met Gala? She took a swing or something? She... I don't know. I was oh, yeah. having. No, I was. Is... I had a newborn. I wasn't following anything <laughs> at that time. But oh, you oh, never was, know. Um, it was Nicki Minaj. It was Nicki, Nicki Minaj. Minaj. Yeah, I know. Right. Chelsea's our the pop only culture <laughs> expert. Right. The only reason us. why I'm on this pod. Excuse <laughs> us while we pause for our cultural check. reference moment with Chelsea. Uh, Sponsored by. I'm old now. I don't know these things anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chelsea. Chelsea. Yep. This is my ASMR voice. <laughs> Um, we'll so that's really podcast. interesting. So uh, let's talk about the first part of that uh, as well. Uh, you, look, you can't have any kind of conversation in our business right now without trust and transparency, leading to data privacy, leading to, you know, are the big data platforms fulfilling any real obligation in the interest of sort of greater mankind? What is your sense of that? Um, what do you think that, you know, if 2018 was a pretty darn bad year uh, on that front. 2019 looks like what? I think it's going to be a mixed bag. I think we're still going to have some some brands, some platforms either being breached or using data in, incorrectly in a way that people wouldn't want their data being used, right? In a way that makes them feel uncomfortable and out of control. So the flip side of that of that human motivation. And so I think we're going to see some some brands really relooking at their policies and coming out with super transparent, easy to understand um, ways of communicating with their audiences of how they're using their information. And I think we're going to see new platforms emerge where the sole basis of them is to be more secure and more safe and kind of host your information in a better way. Right, like that's the core value proposition. <laughs> so one more question on this because it, it, it fascinates me. Have you seen anything in all the data that you've looked at and sort of have we seen anything around a loss in trust brand equity, emotional connection for Facebook in particular? It's interesting because 
There's a global trust uh, study that's run every single year. And for the first time in a long time, news publications have actually increased in trust um, in 2018 uh, and looking to move into 2019. It's always good to have a foil. They were in- decreasing, right? So I think what we're seeing is people used to trust platforms more, like, like yep. a Facebook. Um, and now they're actually reverting back to news and specifically more of the, the niche news um, platform that they that aligns with their values. Right. And and their thinking. And their thinking. Yeah. People want to hear reinforcement of their beliefs. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, let's jump to discovery. Discovery seems like a really super fertile area for brands. Have you guys looked at what platforms would be best or mm-hmm. how they might be best used or do you have some examples of what that might look like? Yeah, this space I find is just completely uh, some brands are doing it well, but I, I feel like a lot of them are just not tapping into this space, and it seems like a huge opportunity because this discovery is when consumers want a lot of options, and they're open. They're open to considering what is the best you know, thing for my fashion, or let's say I'm moving to a home and I'm looking at furniture, or I'm looking at paint options. Like They want options, and yep. they want to discover the best content. And there's definitely platforms. Pinterest is the discovery platform, right? Um I think brand, some brands have been utilizing it better than others, and they have really interesting um, advancements in things like visual search. Um, so if you're not playing within that space and it makes sense, I think that's a huge untapped opportunity area from a platform standpoint. Instagram and shopping, and especially um, browsing, is blowing up as a platform. It is a key shopping platform now. So when people are looking to discover new brands, um, that is something to think about. I think a lot of times people think of Instagram as just a way to share a video, a uh, cut down of their TV asset, for example. Um, but really, consumers are in a discovery mentality on that platform uh, so and are willing to buy um, more than ever now. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a real merchandising opportunity um, in that platform for sure. Um, and it's fascinating. It's still fascinating to me what brands take advantage of it and, and, and what aren't. Mm-hmm. Those two platforms that you just said are both visual, right? Yeah, so when you're in that discovery visual. phase, is content less important for brands? I think it depends on how far you are down the path to purchase. Hmm. So I think the closer you are to actually buying, maybe the, the more or less visual you are. And I think it depends on how, what type of information you as a consumer like. Like, do you like to do a lot of research? Do you like to read reviews? Um, places like Reddit can be a huge discovery platform as well that, again, a lot of brands aren't tapping into. It's places that people go for to understand the best. So, for example, gaming and console gaming. There's tons of conversation happening on Reddit about what is the best console um, or the best game to buy. So there's different platforms. Um, I think it depends. That's obviously text-heavy. Um, it depends on the audience and and how they like to consume information. Yeah, text-heavy like the phone book is text-heavy. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, you can't get more text-heavy than Reddit. Audio discovery. Mm-hmm. That's also a big area, right? Yeah, definitely. Um there's some crazy stat that people who listen to Discover Weekly on Spotify or something like 3x more listen to 3x more music on the platform. And it just shows it's a it's an engaged audience and people want to they want this type of content. And if you as a brand can actually lean into helping audiences discover more, um, more different options, um, new options, people are interested. They want. They want something different when they're in that frame of mind. What's your perspective on medium at this point? There was like a whole huge medium movement, and then I feel like medium kind of was like, eh, because it's a lot of work to actually have human beings write. Yeah. Um, where where are we now? 
I think people have fallen out of love with medium. I think there's some diehards who love it and will continue to be on it. And that's like a huge place that they discover new content. But I think it was a little bit of a fad and people want shorter form for the most part, (laughs) unless you have like a writer that you love. Um, Yeah, this reading writing thing, not going to catch on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also, it's like a cross-reference platform for me. Like a lot of people post uh, Medium on LinkedIn. And so if you're, you know, you follow someone on LinkedIn and they're posting something interesting, you'll click on and go to Medium. So your third kind of pillar Mm -hmm. is entertainment. And this one, it seems to me, has some trickiness to it. Um, Especially because... You know, this is where, in my mind, there's there's a truly addictive quality mm-hmm. to some of this. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the implications of that uh, for brands? Um, and and you know, how do they leverage that in a way that's useful, but not sort of get into the downside of I just burnt eight hours on Saturday sitting on my couch. Yeah, and that's where the side of there's two sides of entertainment, right? People who want that bingeable content and we can't get enough of it, right? I was talking with Chelsea on the train ride home the other day and she's like, "Did you watch both of the Fire <laughs> Fire Festival documentaries?" I'm like, "Yes." And she's like, "Have you gone to the gym this week?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> Cuz I was complaining about not having time to go to the gym and so she was, you know, just poking the bear a little bit about stop watching Netflix and go to the gym. That is but 2019 right it's there. It's a really yeah. no, it's a really good point and I actually that yeah, people love content. However, 20% of streaming, um, not including YouTube, is ad supported. So there's ways that you can still talk to this audience within the streaming space. Um, and streaming is just overall it's going to continue to grow. Like yeah. people don't have enough time to consume this content. It, the 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 fire documentary thing to me is is a really interesting thing and I, and again I think there's two things that kind of happened in quick quick succession so there was the bird blindfold movie what the hell was oh, that yeah. yeah what was it no, bird, bird box bird box, bird box. Yeah. Yeah. again well, with pop uh, culture it, yeah Sorry. right like uh, <laughs> yeah forty five million mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. yeah and then that new show you which Lifetime declined and then Netflix picked it up and it's one of like best performing new shows of the year on Netflix and it's trash. It's pure trash. I'm not going to lie. I watched, I watched like all of it. six. There it's you go. horrifying. Chelsea watched all of it. It's horrifying. Chelsea, you're going to spin off your own podcast. We're going to do uh, Chelsea's cultural moments. Yeah. But this, that actually brings me to another point because I think when we're binging this content, we're also doing other things. Totally. Be it doing the dishes, doing some laundry or on your phone most likely. Yeah, so how true. can you actually, that non-ad supported content, how can you actually beyond devices where people are also consuming while watching that content. Yeah, because there's a conversation to be had, right? So, you know, I'm looking at, I know when I watch, I only watch the Netflix Fire documentary because mm-hmm. I go to Hulu, never. But I was all over, like, who is this guy again? And, you know, did he go to jail? Because I can't wait till the yep, end. You're and building out a Jaw Rule Spotify playlist. Totally, I'm like, Jaw is my guy. <laughs> He's totally innocent. Uh <laughs> He's a victim too. <laughs> Robert created a hashtag on yeah. his own. I'm sure if we look uh, on Twitter, you know what is now. Kendall Jenner's net worth, and is she going to lose half of it? Like all these questions yeah, that I had yeah. while watching the documentary. Um, so there is something I think for creative marketers in that too. Hundred mm-hmm, percent. So what do you? What would you sort of tell clients about the entertainment space as it relates to say gaming? Yep. And the esports in particular is huge. It's on par with the NBA. 
So if you are in the MBA and doing advertising around it. This is me laughing. It, I apologize for those in the studio audience. I'm laughing at esports because I'm an old man. But <laughs> I just, I can't get my it's head huge. wrapped it's huge. around. Yeah. I, I Barclays just, filled to the brims with screaming fans watching an esports competition. And that's just like a slight glimpse into how popular it is. I'm not an old man, but I also think it's a little ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So uh, I, I was in Guangzhou, China. Uh, Back in 1990? <laughs> yeah, I was in the Congo. No, I was in Guangzhou, let's call it four and a half, five years ago. And one of the channels, there's only a couple of English speaking channels. And one of the channels that I came to rest on as I was wildly jet lagged and couldn't sleep uh, was uh, a Korean channel where it was gaming. It was esports. It was gaming with commentators getting very excited about the action on the screen. And there were these like whirling, I don't know, dragons being eaten by whatever mm-hmm. and things exploding all over the place. It's completely unfollowable for a person of my age. <laughs> And I thought to myself, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life, right? Like, this, yeah. is, this is crazy. And here we are five years later, and it's, it's a legitimate thing. Yeah. Is there, it's, like, it's a really human truth new, Yeah, it? it's the new social network uh, for this generation. And it, it's not even this, genera- this, like, new generation of Gen Z and even millennials. Like, you have people, Gen Xers, who are gaming and playing um, in this space, too. So it's really yeah. people we'll coming together. We'll be doing together. a pod, an intervention pod with them yeah. next week. Yeah. <laughs> But they're it's it's they're going there for connection. They're being social. They're talking to each other. They could be halfway around the world from each other, and these people are best friends. They come together to game every night together. They're going on forums. They have their own communities. They're on the game. They're talking to each other on headsets. Like this is a social experience, and they are getting that that need for connection just in their own homes, not actually being next to any of these people. That I get. That I, I, I get. It's, it's the I'm going to pay money or spend some of my valuable you know, time to go either watch or mm. sit in you know, an auditorium yeah. and watch two, most of the time guys, but two people play each other in— There's some badass girls on those leagues. I'm sure in FIFA <laughs> or whatever the hell it is. <sighs> I just yeah, uh, I it's the Le- those people are the LeBron James in their community. I would just think of it in that way. To use another basketball reference, like they truly are celebrities. Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> We're not going to get this thirty. We're not just not. No, yeah. not today. Another this is a whole time. new pod. Um, another time. Along these same lines, legalization of gambling. Mm-hmm. What? Where are we in that, and what's what are sort of the big implications yeah, for brands? Yeah, so eight states now you can legally gamble on sports. I think New Jersey was one of the big ones that came out recently with legislation around it. And this is a really interesting space because it's making sports more relevant again. So we saw a decline in a lot of sports ratings over the last few years. Uh, this past year we saw a rise in NFL ratings for the first time in a long time, and I know they've done a lot to reignite interest in those games, including allowing things like celebration dances for the first time. But we know that people who are betting on sports are much more likely to be watching that sport live. And so as we see this legislation continue to roll out across the United States, 
we are anticipating a much more engaged live sports audience, um, as well as content being created around sports betting. So yep. a lot, some, um, I think Barstool Sports is creating some content in this space, and it's very much a, an innovative space right now in terms of content. A lot of um, publishing brands are testing and learning what's the right format, where sure. do people want this? It's uh, you know very much feeding that thirst for content around the space where there isn't a lot today. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming uh, The Ringer, which is a, a site that I pay a lot of attention yeah. to. Um, they've done a lot of content around it, uh, even some of the traditional, you know, Fox Sports mm -hmm. as a, a gambling show, that which is something you would have found at, you know, like 12 a.m. 15 years yeah. ago with the 1-800 or 900 number, get the tips kind of thing. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for brands in this space if they play their cards right. Boom. But I think they have to be thoughtful about it. Definitely. I mean, there's still a dark side to gambling. There is a dark side to gambling. So I think how do you enter this space and work with a partner where brand safety is definitely very present and you know what you're getting yourself into. So let's change gears. That was really fun. So thank you for that. <laughs> uh, to get to you know ASMR, Cardi B, mm -hmm. gambling legalization, uh, and of course my favorite, esports all in one little run. That was good. What do we make of the state of 5G and when do we care? Yeah, I think unless you're a technology company or play within the technology space, don't care right now. Use your time thinking about something else because it's not baked enough to really have implications for like a CPG company. Probably not worth worrying about this year. Right, but in time... Lots of things to think about potentially. Exactly, yeah. I would just In terms of hedging your bets and where to focus in 2019, I would say let other people, let tech figure it out and then make it a priority for next year. I think that's going to be something we're talking about this time next year on this podcast with a lot more implications. So let's write the end of year 2019 headline right now. Mm -hmm. You ready? This is exciting, Haley. <laughs> this is, I'll describe. This is Haley smiling. <laughs> Um, I love writing a headline. 2019 was the year of? I would say 2019 was the year of consumer control. And I say that for a lot of different reasons. I think people are getting in more control over their data. They're becoming more aware of privacy. Um, if you think about things like streaming and the proliferation of streaming and how we're going to have things like Disney Plus enter the marketplace, um, that has an element of control. People are gravitating that because they can control their experience. They can control the content. And I think we're going to see even more of that this year. What's the one thing that you wish more clients were doing right now? I think... Thinking beyond big data, I think last year was a lot of conversation of understanding your data, understanding the data that's out there, how do we harness the data. And for me, it's more about taking that information, using it as a solid foundation, and then understanding the motivations behind that data and how does your brand play within those space to add utility, entertainment, discoverability to people's lives. What's the one thing that agencies should be doing? So this is a weird one, but I think that we should be giving our employees more time to just walk away from their computers, live like their audience for a day. So for example, if you're going after millennial moms, think about what a millennial mom would be doing in a typical day. You know, walk outside the doors of the building, live that life for one afternoon. And I think the insight and empathy that you'll have for that audience will make your work so much better. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think you're exactly right. I mean, this is the argument that creativity needs space. Yeah. 
Um, and a lot of times in services industries, we don't allow ourselves or the folks that work for us space. I, I think it's a, a great point. You are a relatively new mom. We covered that in the top. What about motherhood has changed the way you approach your job other than coffee? Yeah, I think it's made me much more aware. So I manage a pretty a big team of strategists and, and insight leaders in the company, and it's made me more aware of maybe the the stuff that people are bringing to their job on a day-to-day basis and just starting every meeting with, you know, what's on your mind in general and talking about that and then getting into the work. Yeah, everybody has, you know, a whole contextual moment before they enter the conference room. Exactly. Yeah. Again, fatherhood does a little bit of a similar thing, but I, I think motherhood in particular makes you incredibly contextually aware of a lot of different things. So I I think it's a really good observation. Um, How do you make sure... You live in Brooklyn. I do. Park Slope. The Slope. The the Slope. (laughs) That's not what anyone ever says. Is that what (laughs) people call it? No, No. it's not like like Jersey where people Uh, call it the dirty. No, no. no. Um, Brooklyn is amazing and the transformation there has been remarkable and et cetera, caveat, caveat, caveat. Nobody's going to confuse it for, uh, you know, uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, um, how do you, as an insights person, how do you try to stay plugged into stuff that is happening past the Hudson? I do a lot of reading. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and also talking to people. Like, to be very honest, I tap into my own personal experience and the people in my life and the people on my team. Like, I have a very diverse team, people of all ages from different parts of the country, from different parts of the world, and we make time for conversation. Um, and being able to do that gives me, I'm like, oh, I, I didn't hear about that. Like, tell me more, or I'll go investigate on my own, just because I think keep being interested in culture is something that makes us, you know, sharper and better at our jobs and keeps us ahead of the beat. Uh, and I believe that Brooklyn is not the best place in the world. Uh, I have a lot of family from Indiana and the Midwest and in the South. And uh, I think, again, understanding people's perspective and, and what they're bringing um, as part of their life into the, the room and understanding that, understanding different cultures. I think we have so much culture in the U.S. that we should be really understanding and, again, having empathy with people who live in different places um, and different spaces. So, Chelsea, what do you think? Uh, because it is Haley's first time here, mm. do we need to do the lightning round? Yes. Yes? Always. All right. So Maybe totally different ones. Honestly, than I didn't realize there was a second part of this oh, case. Good. I haven't even looked at these, so it's a true lightning round. <laughs> now you don't have them. Now so. you have yeah. real, <laughs> spontaneous, Haley, sleepless responses, and I'm very excited for oh, this. Oh, goodness. Our audience is ready. <laughs> Are you ready? That's I'm the ready. All of our Let's international do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Our global. We have a global audience. Our global audience. audience. Our global audience. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, they're just actually parents. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah's parents oh. listen. So All of our parents listen. We've conquered... Speaking of parents... My dad is going to South by Southwest on his really? own accord. He's he's retired for the first and he, time. For the first time, he's heard mm. me talk about it. He was like, "Oh yeah, I was interested, so I'm buying a ticket. I'm going to be there." And I'm like, "Am I going to see you there? Are you going to come to my talk?" Like, I'm, I'm very paranoid now. So I love <laughs> this idea, and I this is not an original idea, but parental vacations with you know older kids as a work thing i think is just the, the coolest idea there like i would love to take my mom to can uh, frankly go. i'd behave better and i would <laughs> and, and and i'd probably have more fun um, either that or i'd learn a lot more about my mom i don't one or the other i think yeah. it's the latter yeah my mom at the gutter bar at 4 in the morning that'd be something <laughs> who's that oh, it's Evie. Evie, could you get off the roof so are you ready for the lightning round i'm so ready yeah okay mm-hmm. how old is your dad 
72. 72 mm-hmm. and headed. He also wants to go to Burning Man. I don't know. He's going through a like that I quarter life crisis. I don't know when what's I'm going on with him. I'm 72. I'm going to Burning now, Man. Again, never been. Never been to a music festival in his life. Wants to go to Burning Man. That's amazing. I love that. Where does he live? Indiana. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, is he planning on driving to uh, Austin? Or is no, he he's flying. He's going to fly. Yeah. All right. Does he have cowboy boots? Definitely not. Tell you what, he'll have some for the return home. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Favorite digital experience? I love what uh, Minecraft did last year with Coachella, which is their take on Coachella. Uh, (laughs) But again, it's it's around this trend of experiences, of bringing them in your home, making things accessible for audiences, and bringing together communities in a live environment. That I just thought that was so cool. Are you a Minecraft person? I'm not, and I loved it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, best piece of content of any kind, book, podcast, show, 79 I, fire festival documentaries <laughs> that you've consumed recently. I love this book that I picked up while I was on maternity leave called Do the Work. And it's all about overcoming resistance to doing amazing work because mm. the world is actively making you resist doing things. And so you basically the whole synopsis of the story is like just start. Because once you've started, the work will come. Whoever wrote that book owes me uh, a little bit of credit. I first started using, I would say, just begin with my team. It was probably 15 years ago. We'd win a piece of new business, and that was like the first line. Who wrote that book? It's probably that person on that team. (sighs) Sleepless brain. I can't remember. Uh, I'll I'll get my money back. Best piece of career advice you've either given or received? Actually, so we just had annual reviews at Kara, and a big piece of advice that I got, which I gave to a lot of people on my team this year, was speak within the first 10 minutes of a meeting because it'll become so much easier to talk when you have a point later down the road. People understand your your role and your purpose and maybe even do a little bit of homework in advance to think of a few things that you could say. Kind of rips the Band-Aid off early on for people who may be a little bit more shy. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, because the 58th minute is not really the moment. It's awkward. <laughs> Hey, I have an idea. <laughs> That's usually but me on this pod. remember when someone's done that, and it is awkward. So, That's, yeah, it's, we it's call a that very the Chelsea moment on, on, the, uh, on Human Element. It's usually just Robert pointing at me and kind of like, say something, yeah. Chelsea. Yeah, there's a lot and of behind-the-scenes histrionics. <laughs> Although the cultural thing today is like right, right in the wheelhouse. Yeah, it's, that's more up my alley. Yeah. All right. Thing that people should know about you, but they don't. I'm actually an introvert. Uh, a lot of people, when they meet me, or and because I do a lot of like speaking within the agency and outside the agency, and I'm in front of my teams a lot, they just assume I'm this crazy people person, extrovert, like always like schmoozing and connecting. And it pains me to do that stuff. Like I really need to be by myself to recharge. Um, so I think that's the thing that people always are surprised when I tell them that. Thing you want to make sure that you somehow communicate, inculcate, instill, gift to Pepper? Oh, I think a sense of curiosity. That's a great answer. Yeah, because life will be interesting forever if you go about your day always kind of interested in what's going on around you. Anything else you want to tell us? Great pod. This was my first one. You guys are great. This is so much fun. I feel like I could do this every day. Isn't it fun? I always said I wanted to be a radio host. Really? If I, yeah, as a backup. That and a hairstylist. 
I actually cut hair. Uh, really? Yeah, I cut women's hair specifically. I've had a, ba- a few bad men's hair cuts I did. Yeah, it started when I studied abroad in Italy, and I was living in a house of 15 girls, and then I was like, sure, I can cut hair. Never cut hair before in my life. Haley, you were absolutely fantastic. You are welcome back anytime. Thanks, Robert. Uh, bring along a few here. friends. Yeah, always. That wraps it for The Human Element, this episode of The Human Element. You can find us anywhere you find all of your pods. We would love it if you left a rating, a review, or click the subscribe button. That would be absolutely fabulous as our global international audience continues to grow. Uh, We are especially successful in the over 70 category. (laughs) (laughs) Parents around the world, uh, that's our target. Parents who go to Burning Man. That's right. (laughs) Burning Man parents, you got to be down with the human element. We will be back out to you soon. Thanks so much. Thank you.